0: Welcome to The Frontline, a leadership and business podcast brought to you by Peregrine Corporate Services, an Isle of Man based fiduciary provider. My name is Martin Hall and thanks for listening. In this podcast, we chat to an array of business leaders from different sectors to learn more about them, their market, skill sets and knowledge. We hope you enjoy. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer. Thanks for joining me today, Jennifer. Thank you, Martin. So maybe to uh, provide the listeners a bit of background, where were you uh, originally born and sort of educated in your early years?
1: Uh, well, that's a bit of a mixed bag. I was born in California to a German father and a Swedish mother. Grew up in Germany, uh, but spent a lot of time in Sweden. So culturally, I think I am a, 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 a cross-culture person who's been educated through the German system, but then went back to California to become a chartered accountant uh, many years later uh, and stayed 10 years there.
0: What brought your parents back to Europe?
1: Um, My dad's the managing director of Hughes Aircraft Company was, and uh, as a physicist, he was skilled in German physics, and therefore they wanted him to uh, continue the trade in uh, Germany. And we're based in Bonn, which is the old capital of Germany.
0: All right, okay, okay. So then uh, you mentioned through the education system in Germany. Was that uh, higher education there as well?
1: Uh, It was through what we, I suppose you call the A-levels here. It's all changed from the time that I went to high school. And uh, interestingly enough, they sent me to an international school uh, that had American teachers. So uh, I visited uh, the school recently, and they have English-speaking teachers now, so all the students uh, have an English dialect instead of American. But I went there many, many years ago. And, uh, and then because of that we were able to spend three months every summer in Sweden which is where my mother's from in Stockholm. Oh, right. okay. So we grew up properly with you know growing up with three languages at home and uh, being influenced by the, the the foods and the languages and the countries that you're living in so it was quite a, a nice way to be brought up.
0: I'm presuming multilingual? Yes. Fully yes. fluent German, yes. Swedish, yes. English.
1: I've school. I've, you know, f- I learned French in school um, you'd think that having grown up with three languages, it would be easy to learn a fourth, but in fact, uh, it wasn't that easy. So, uh, you know, hot tip is if you have any kids and teaching languages, please teach them, you know, when they're very young, because it comes naturally. You think everything has two names like apple and apple, but in fact, it's two languages. But as a kid, you don't understand that. And then oh, okay. after a while they become, you know, it turns into three languages it takes longer It took longer to, um, learn how to speak, but I've made up for it since then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So then you moved into, or you seem to have started in an accounting world. Was that something you particularly wanted to do at that age or just fell into it?
1: Yeah, probably not. Um, I started out studying biology in California. So I moved back to California because I was born on a visit in California and have dual citizenship or eventually had dual citizenship. In fact, now I'm just Swedish. But in those days, I had American citizenship and I went to the state university uh, and studied microbiology for a, a long time. Um, and then I ran out of money. It's it's quite expensive to go to university in America and Sweden and Germany. They're free, uh, so you know. In hindsight, maybe I should have studied in in Sweden. But uh, so I thought, well, I need to be practical, and I was um, you know these student loan. So I thought I'd switch to becoming an account- accountant. So I became a CPA, and uh, no regrets. Uh, and did you study
0: that outside of the work environment, um, or was s- it all kind of full on about it?
1: So it would have been joining Deloitte uh, okay. straight after university. Right. So I studied uh, the you know, international business, is what I graduated in with a minor biology. And I'm still passionate about the sciences. But I think you know, work-wise, I was actually concerned about getting a job. And a lot of my friends in those days were not working in science, even though they had graduated. And of course, now it's all different because a microbiologist is sought after. But in those days, it was different, it was, seven, it was in the 70s. So I switched to becoming a CPA, no regrets, because I, start, I um, uh Deloitte's, in fact, two shots at that time recruited me. And, and I stayed with them for 17 years, which was a fantastic career. Um, spent uh, the three first years in California, then I transferred with uh, Deloitte's to um, Luxembourg and I presume that's
0: something you wanted to do rather than work missing... asking you to go that way
1: yes yes I was missing Europe I think having grown up with all these different cultures and languages and I love being in California because I'm a keen surfer I'm a keen skier you know everything's just there I live in Southern California it was fantastic but at the same time, um, I was missing a little bit being able to walk to work, uh, walk to and you know, everything's being in a car. Mm. And you know, it was a fantastic 10 years in California, but having moved back, I realized there's a, an advantage working in Europe and that's you get a lot of holidays. So I went from getting two weeks of holiday with Deloitte to uh, six weeks and yeah. gosh, you can really see the world with six yeah. weeks of um, free time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I wanted you to just I suppose, see other cultures around yeah. Europe because you're traveling a lot shorter to get to those places.
1: Exactly. So, I went to South America, North America, Australia, Hawaii twice, mm-hmm. and you know, all Asia. And I wouldn't have been able to do that had it continued uh, was just two weeks' holiday in California. So, when they um, called for me to return after this exchange in Luxembourg, because it was only meant to be two years, in mm-hmm. fact, just like the one here. I was only supposed to stay two years uh, on the isle of man but there you go it's been a little bit longer than that
0: (laughs) the uh so did you not go back then was that designed not to go back you're like no no i'm quite happy
1: yes yes so i was uh, spending a lot of time traveling um meeting uh you know uh, colleagues and friends from different cultures and also working we kept on, you know, the methodology was the same, but if you work with a German team or a Swedish team or an English team, they all have different cultures, you know, so you were using skill sets as a senior manager in a different way than if you had just worked in a same culture environment. And I think that has stayed with me that you can't manage uh, different teams in the same way you need to use different styles.
0: Yeah, interesting because I presume underlying that within deloitte's as a or any big firm like there's a general ethos but then there's that cultural yes. different at each level
1: yes so you have a, a fairly open culture um you know where they really encourage uh your skill set to develop that um you know you have very a lot of ambitious uh, you don't have to micromanage or chase uh, which i learned you need to do maybe a bit more once you leave uh, the practice um, but you do have different styles uh, by country. So for example, uh, Sweden is, so after three a few years in Luxembourg, I then transferred to Stockholm after seven years. And Luxembourg was very international, but Sweden was very open door policy. You don't make a decision yourself, you know, you, you need to... Get the agreement of the board, you know, to um, you know put forth an idea, and then you discuss it very calmly. You don't have any, you know, very excited board meetings, you know, or where people get you know uh, raise their voices. It's it's right. actually a very um, yeah, well behaved environment, <laughs> uh, and um, and but as a result, it takes a long time to get make make decisions okay. and get those decisions through. So um, so I learned that from then working in Stockholm. Deloitte's for the next seven years yeah
0: okay that's uh and did you think in hindsight that's just something you learn as you spend time there
1: absolutely because you you don't know what to expect when you first come it does help uh, to be familiar with the methodology and the company culture because every uh, firm has a fairly strong company culture and they still do as do other larger businesses in the big four and banks etc um, but what you don't know is how the staff, um, their relationship with their managers. So when I first moved to the Stockholm office, I would be very focused, trying to get through all the work. And um, then they would say uh, that you need to make sure to take a break every afternoon and spend 15 minutes with the staff so that as a, as a manager, uh, so that you get to know them a bit, so you find out what their sporting interests are. Do they have any family, any kids or talk about anything except for work? Um, so that was uh, not what I was used to, mm-hmm. and in fact um, is probably not done as much on other man.
0: No, no. Uh, funny enough, having just in the business we're in now, gone through that phase of reviews that you always sit down, and think I need to do this more often with mm-hmm. staff, sit with staff. The f- <clears throat> excuse me, the firefighting of any business, you uh, you sometimes often lose sight of that. Yes. But it's good if it's been built into the culture, I guess, that this is what you have to do.
1: Yes, yes, it is expected mm. at three o'clock you take with they call a fika, and that's a coffee oh, right. break, and okay. it's, it is expected that for fifteen minutes, you know, you leave your office and you stand, you stand in a in a rather open floor plan um, kitchen area, a uh, dining area, and then you you just chat away with anybody right. who's standing okay. around having your coffee, have a little bit of cake, and then you would go back to your office. So and they make sure you keep your door open in case someone follow up with anything. Yeah, so, right, Okay. So yes, so it's. Um, so- good learning experience
0: so presumably a fairly big step to leave there after a long period of time did you feel that it was or was yes. it just felt time was time uh, for change
1: absolutely I mean, the reason I, I moved again was uh, because I was hoping to make mm. partner at uh, the Deloitte office in Stockholm and uh, in order for, and then because of the Enron Anderson uh, experience that we had at that time there was a bit of restructuring Anderson Uh, there was a reverse takeover in Sweden and so a bit of a change at the senior management level and so a lot of us who had been there for a while were were encouraged to uh, gain more experience by living abroad and they gave me an option to either work in the Isle of Man or in Jersey for two years again for two years (laughs) and um, and I asked uh, you know was the weather about the same and and they, yes, they thought so, and then I was hoping to not have to rent. So I said, well, you know, can't get a, buy a small place, an apartment or something. And they said, well, not in Jersey, but you can in Alaman the So they flew me out here uh, in October uh, to see if I liked so what it. What year would that be now? Uh, that would have been 2003. Okay. In October 2003, and it was sunny and there was no wind and it's very <laughs> green here. At that time, it was getting a bit cold and damp, and you know less uh, beautiful yeah. in, in Sweden so and darker of course because of the winter um, hours and uh, so I signed the contract and came over for for two years and that was um, 16 years ago
0: <laughs> yeah it's a long two years so, <laughs> so obviously you start working Deloitte here and
1: yes yeah, so I started in January of course when I arrived it was no longer sunny and calm it was you know yeah, what's you know, going on here <laughs> <laughs> it was raining And I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? So, uh, But you know, like everybody comes here, you become drawn into the uh, culture here, to the community spirit, to uh, the uh, way that the businesses are run uh, at at a smaller scale. We had about 700 staff at Deloitte in Stockholm and there are about 20 here. So that was a a big uh, adjustment for me. Uh,
0: and just looking at the Isle of Man, when you talk about that community and having lived in many or a number of other places, have you seen that in other places, that that community, Isle of no, Man feel, not, not to the to level the you get here?
1: No, I think it has uh, two folds that you, you have. It's very specific to the culture here. I think it, it, that's why it is a special place to live, because the people here make it their home, because there are a lot of us come from somewhere else, at least 50%, if not over 50% now. Um, but also because of the size, you know, we are a smaller community. Yeah. So, would this be the case in other smaller uh, communities? Possibly. Uh, but I think at the same time, we don't have a small town atmosphere because we are quite international. Those are here. So, you have the best of both worlds. You know, you have the small community uh, feeling, yeah. but yet with the experience and cultures of having um, been living abroad yeah. and meeting others who have done the same.
0: So, left Deloitte, moved into. It was an immediate movement into the gaming environment or was that how did that transition happen
1: pretty quick it I, seems a
0: not strange jump but yeah, yeah no, no, when absolutely. you look at a CV or exactly. you know look at a progression
1: so after a few years at Deloitte's and then I realized I was going to make my home here in Park because I met a certain gentleman who's now that I'm now married to from Liverpool and uh, he was not that uh, interested in moving to Sweden for various reasons so I thought okay I'll, I'll make my home here and then I thought then maybe it was time to change direction and work in uh, the you know, in industry rather than practice. So I asked uh, a recruitment agency you know, what industries were growing. They gave me two choices. They said online gaming or life assurance. So the insurance business was uh, also growing and I had experience from that from Luxembourg. So I applied for AXA and headed up the finance department there for a while and that was a really good experience because again I was used to working with others who were quite eager to prove themselves and now you're working in a normal environment with with uh, families and staff who are from different backgrounds and as much as I enjoyed working in AXA it was a a different way of uh, dealing with departments for example you know you're not just an audit. You know, you have your compliance and sales yeah. and legal and finance, so that was very interesting to take with me. And then I was headhunted uh, for a, a gaming company after a few years, a couple of years, and uh, we set up a small business, which then grew into a company by the name of Anexio, which I'm uh, still a major shareholder, of, but I have retired from.
0: That must have been, uh, I assume, quite an exciting opportunity at the time. And was that daunting then to kind of uh, use the word switch industry, but switch? So it seems like a, a big switch from the outside.
1: Yes, um, probably having have having lived here uh, for a few years already. It, the nice thing about the community spirit is you feel quite uh, secure in being able to change jobs because you know you you have that support structure around you anyway. So if you have if you've built relationships with your suppliers, with government. Um, with your uh, colleagues, and they can be very supportive too. I felt quite comfortable taking the leap into online gaming and um, not having the distractions of, of children, which I have to say, I admire all the families, with kids, and <laughs> having during this uh, you know lockdown period. My goodness, that must have been, you know, I do mm-hmm. admire the skill sets that you need to multitask. But, you know, I could be very focused. I could work long hours. I was used to that anyway. And and I enjoyed the the challenge of online gaming, and so and it was a growing sector. Yeah. So you know, this
0: so it's was, looking back, is it a steep learning curve for you?
1: Um, possibly, I suppose it is different. But you know, every day is a learning day. So you know, I enjoy the challenges of of changing directions. Um, so no, it was I was still focused on finance, um, but then becoming the managing director probably was uh, a different challenge because then you have to balance maybe the. Um, challenges that you have within internally from the uh, company versus your face uh, that you are now for of the business and I think managing that uh, and the media and so forth was something I wasn't used to and I did have to learn um, you know through experience
0: and it must have been I suppose back then it was obviously very much a startup so yes so many imagine different aspects from from you say from partnering or Or being in that environment of Deloitte uh, and even Axo big big firms with.
1: Yes uh, true I mean I suppose I've been doing it for such a long time now because I'm involved with a few businesses um, and that does seem now a long time ago having worked for bigger companies but I do agree that uh, there was a time you have to be quite confident in your decisions you have fewer people to ask Mm. in fact one of the reasons I joined the institute directors and that was about 10 years ago uh, 12 years ago possibly, uh, was because I needed somebody to um, maybe ask, uh, you, know, uh, you know, ideas about, you know, corporate governance, you know, what's the best way of structuring a board. And I got that from the idea at the time. And uh, because maybe in a smaller company, you don't have all the departments and an yeah. internal legal department, at you know, of course, now next Day is much bigger. But in those days, we were just a, a few, we we're yeah, like yeah. just three or four of us. and. And then grew from there. So, so the ID gave me something there as a structure, and and professionals to go to have lots of cups, cups of coffee, um, and bounce ideas around. Yes, and, yeah. and I also got we also got a, a lot of support. Um, received a lot of support from the Department for Enterprise (DfE). Um, we applied for grants. We were able to get a few grants, and um, and I think that the the close working relationship and the way that the government supports. Entrepreneurs and smaller businesses on on the island is fantastic. Uh, I do know that if it hadn't been for that close working relationship and also with the GSC, um, they were uh, very uh, helpful in in allowing us to to grow and work with us with different business models that we had as ideas. So you know, my experience working with the government and civil services is very positive.
0: Yeah. No, and I think. Governments always get criticism from all angles, <laughs> but I think when, when you look at the, how they try to develop the island from a business perspective, certainly my experience has always been very very much there yes. at an open door, we're here to help you, how, how can we help you? We've done road shows with them, they're about help helping grow grow business, not cause a stumbling block.
1: So Absolutely, absolutely. So we were able to grow the company quite quickly, and, uh, and I stayed there for um, eight years, uh, until the day that uh, it was time, um, maybe to look at something else, because it had grown to the size that there were actually now, every, you know, each department was filled with a, you know, a brilliant, talented director or senior manager.
0: That, that decision then to step away, is that difficult because there must be an, a, an element of, you know, this was my baby and uh, yes. an element of con- wanting to be in control. Very, very hard. and yeah, very, right. very hard.
1: In fact, I stayed on for an extra year as a Ned um, because it is, you know, if you've spent such long hours you know mm-hmm. for so many years to build something to where it is today uh, or even... You know, it's grown since then. Um, it was uh, hard to, to move on, but at the same time, it was the right decision because you have to always, as a director, I think you need to think about the company first and foremost, and your skill set and experience that you brought on was ideal to to grow the business. But then, you know, it was maybe time for
0: fresh blood. Yeah, as I say, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, it's um, quite a. Uh, imagine at times it's a very hard decision that because like yes. I go back to it it becomes your baby and you yeah. don't want to let go but maybe it's actually for the better yes for the better so, so the IOD that's uh, y- your interaction with that's expanded over the years now
1: absolutely so I continued I was asked to join the committee about I believe uh, let's see now that would have been 12 years ago and um, and then Sally Bolton was the chair at the time Clive repairs the chair after that and now I've been the chair for nearly four years and uh, never thought that it would have been on the committee that long, let alone be the chair, Um, but it is something again that if you get involved and you commit the time and see the benefits of the institute, it's been around since 1906, Uh, you know, it's, uh, we say that, you know, we're the voice of boards, so if you need, you know, training on, on corporate governance, if you need to develop the skills, or if you want to influence government, or if you, if you simply want to connect with other NEDs or other directors, you know, it's a perfect forum for that. Um, and so I've continued with the uh, IOD as, uh, over the years. And, f- and in fact, uh, this year uh, is the first time that we've set up a, a separate limited company. So we're actually ILO- IOD Isle of Limited okay. as a company limited by guarantee. And um, not really to break away from the UK because, uh, you know, obviously we have our IP and the professional development that's still very much in line with how uh, we want the institute to be run, but we wanted a bit more control over the, um, of the data, you know, we have closer contact with the members, uh, be able to reach out quicker, uh, maybe have a bit more flexibility than how we run things uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I have a fantastic colleague, Rachel McKenna, who's the EO, who does all the background work and, and you know, is is involved with the event management. And that has really been the right decision for us
0: yeah right and perhaps people aspiring to be a director or, or continue to you know professionally develop type of skills are they gonna be I mean maybe it's stating the obvious maybe it's not picking pick up in in studying and becoming part of the Institute I assume just a broader range a broader knowledge
1: it is. contacts
0: and networking and everything that comes with that
1: absolutely so, so for example here we have a lot of medium-sized companies the shareholders now also the director most commonly and then you have decisions that you need to make for the business that might not be in line necessarily what you would do as a shareholder but is the right decision for the company and that's what the board is is responsible for so what you need is a mixed um, skill set at board level and that would mean that uh, you would need to have the proper training in corporate governance you would need to understand marketing, finance, uh, and uh, other skills that might not be what you've been, um, yeah. you, know, brought, you know, what you've. Actually I imagine conflicts
0: is where you talk about with having a couple of hats on, but exactly. Understanding that conflict and dealing—it's not a problem, but dealing with that conflict appropriately in the governance.
1: Exactly. So, so with the with the ID, you have um, an opportunity to work with other people across different markets, also you know, different industries because. I remember that I was very involved with just online gaming for a long, long time, and I didn't want to lose sight or touch with, you know, financial services and and, uh, the uh, building uh, sector, the uh, hospitality, and there's so many needs and demands that are put on these boards also. How do you decide, you know, what works best for these businesses? And you get an idea by going to these courses, by meeting other directors, to learn how to do this to the best of your ability, but also to share and delegate that to others at the board because everybody's equally responsible at a board level.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And then I know, uh, which we'll come on to a moment, how we first crossed paths with the Solidarity Fumble to maybe cut with the hospice side of things, you're involved with that side of it as well. Uh,
1: Yes, I am. (laughs) Thank you for mentioning that, Martin. (laughs) It's a small charity, uh, also called Diana Princess of Wales Hospice Care at Home Trust. It's a very long name, <laughs> so we go by hospice at, hospice at Home. And our website is Hospice at Home. And it's um, separate from the hospice. We are a uh, non-profit uh, company. We take no fees for our services. Uh, raise about 100000 a year. And that goes to at-home care uh, for those who prefer to be at home. And we've been doing this for 32 years. Uh, friends of Princess Diana set this up uh, at that time. And uh, we've obviously spent that trust money a long, long time ago. So we've continued uh, with the idea of trying to raise money through different events. For example, right now we're doing a a monthly Radney Foiland walk. We walked from um, Kirk Michael to Sartfield on last uh, Monday. Uh, We didn't on the Sunday because we had also the media fondo to participate in. Uh, But that was a tough walk actually on the beach. Um, so it's, it's also fun because you not only are raising money for a good cause, um, but you're also meeting people you never would normally uh, yeah. in a business environment. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's a great thing to be part of.
0: My, uh, well, my dad's, my, sadly, my dad's used it, but I know the benefits of it and seen the benefits of it. Oh, so, so that is that, for you, just something to give back to the community? You, you know, it's your own time, it's your own, you know, we all have lives to lead. Is that just something Absolutely. you feel you need to do as part of your... I,
1: yes i think it's living on this planet (laughs) type of thing (laughs) who would have thought because um charities in for example sweden are not um support in the same way because we have our 61 percent taxes that we pay there so for example hospice is something that the government provides Uh, that's not the case here Uh, we have 700 charities on the island and when i was first approached to get involved i found it actually quite hard to ask for funds for funding you know how do you go out to people and say oh by the way can you pay ten pounds for this you know I have no issues with that now you ask me know and I'll, and I'll say oh well, would you like to do this but can I ask for 25 yeah, yeah shaken by their ankles <laughs> yeah. to get out of yeah, yeah. but it took a long long time to get used to that because uh, you have to remember you need to do it for the right reason you're doing it not just for the you know the networking or or, or you know just to keep busy but it's it's because it's 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 serving purpose in this case it's serving uh, a fantastic uh, cause where I know a lot of people benefit from being at home with their family. Um, but, uh, and, and because it's, it's part of the society here, it's part of the community here. If, mm. you, if you don't do any charity work, I think then you're missing out because um, you know, obviously as, as I met you through Max Solidarity Fund, you know, that's a second charity we've both gotten involved mm. with just in the last few months or this year, because uh, there's a need for it and it provides uh, a purpose. Uh, you know, it g- gives fantastic service. And helps lots and lots of families, other businesses and charities yeah. uh, by, by doing what we're doing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So maybe just to jump over to the Manx Solidarity. We have obviously both got involved in that around April when, when it was established. Obviously did a lot of fundraising to start with. And certainly we hope on the island Man, its profiles increasing, uh, I think, as well. We're still obviously ultimately still in the middle of COVID. Who, who knows where, where it will lead up? We're recording this. The borders have slightly changed quarantine rules, but the reality is the situation's the same and we're kind of still in lockdown. So tourism struggles and that industry struggles and there's many people still struggling that are looking for help, that need certainly, help.
1: Certainly certain sectors are really, really needing help from either the Max Solidarity Fund or other charities that are, can provide a service. I and mean, what I like about um, Max, I'll the Max Solidarity yeah. Fund is, is that it does um, help anybody that needs the assistance, should they really um, be dependent on requiring additional funding. Um, and it could be any charity, it could be any individual, it could be any company. And that's, and it's also a charity set up uh, that is time limited you know we're hoping that it's not going to be around unlike hospice at home that's been around for you know 32 years you know this one we're hoping is, yeah. is going to you know once we spend the money we've spent the money um, of course uh, not too soon because we don't expect this to be the end uh, now we expect possibly that uh, the way this new normal that we're living in is going to be here for a while mm. and possibly you know potentially when the grant funding from from government uh, comes to an end uh, this, uh, this you know, support uh, this month, then, you know, more will apply for uh, assistance uh-huh. to, through the Maxwell Authority Fund, because uh, they may have applied before, but they can always reapply should they have been yeah. turned down. But we've helped quite a lot. We, we've we raised almost 700,000 uh, pounds. We've given uh, grants out which don't have to be repaid and it's not taxable. and. Uh, of almost 300,000 pounds, which is equivalent to approximately 50% of all the applicants uh, that we receive. And it's uh, a wide range of um, those, you know, that those that we're helping can be anywhere from the ones I can mention, Ginger Hall and Paddle Hordes and Karma. uh, The ones that uh, maybe a bit more anonymously that I could also mention is a single parent, a widow with two children, um, a sole trader with who had spent yeah. the reserves um, yeah these people live in hand to mouth aren't they and, yes, uh, yes
0: i think when you when you see cases like that then the opportunity for the fund to help them is so important
1: uh, it's been absolutely fantastic you know the kind of emails we get and the comments mm. and the thank yous is uh you know, we don't actually meet these people uh personally because, or not very many of because, you know, they go through the application process and we have this very uh, almost Chinese wall between myself, you know, chairing the funds team yeah. and then you have somebody else chairing the applications team and the distribution and, and uh, so forth. So uh, so it is a very structured uh, charity because what we, have, what we want to do is make sure that the money that... Everybody's raised for us, you know. Chris and Barley raising over 100 pounds and running 19 marathons in 19 days, and I and I think still to to this day (laughs) that that's amazing that he's done that, you know, and raising the profile. You know, it's money that, and even I've had been handed five pounds, ten pounds, twenty pounds at different events, saying please, you know, put this towards the charity. So every single penny should count, and we need to make sure it goes to the right people. And it's it's a tough process. I, I know that you know. Say if if, if you haven't received a, a grant, then I would just recommend you know reapplying. Yeah. once uh, you know once you feel that you really really need the help. Yeah,
0: no, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Uh, one of the, one of the observations we've only known each other for three or four months as an observer is very, you very seem very driven. You seem to be always busy. where where do you think that's from? Is that something just built within you or where where do you think that's from?
1: Um, I think... uh, Or maybe you're not. I don't know. But that's my observation. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I I like to keep busy. I enjoy uh, what I do. And I think if you're passionate about something, um, then you do get a kick out of it. You know, I I am not a, a long sleeper. I have many hours in the day that I can fill. I like to fill it with things I like to do, which is, uh, you know, being creative with business. I've um, got a couple more gaming companies that are B- B2Bs that are about to launch. Um, I continue with the ID and the charity work. So then, of course, you have to you need to find time for family and uh, and yourself, which I tend to.
0: Do you find that a hard balance at times, or? Um,
1: occasionally, because I think working as a med, you can't control when board meetings are being organized you know you're you're dependent on uh, that so sometimes i have weeks that i'm very very busy but that's okay because you know that means you'll never get bored and there's a lot of variety and and i love the people that i work with um i do get a lot of inspiration from working with talented and 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 inspirational people i think that's Probably where I get some of the drive, it's not necessarily from me, but it's you know it's reflecting uh, those that I that I uh, get to be with and learn from with this every day's learning experience. Yeah, right.
0: For those wishing to reach out to Jennifer, her LinkedIn profile is within the show notes. As you will have noted towards the end of the podcast, we were unfortunately losing some of the sound quality. But would like to thank you for listening and thank Jennifer for her time. Thanks again for listening.